Good evening, all. I appreciate those of you that are that are here this evening. I'd like to thank that Kevin wowed them so so much this morning that they felt that they were overflowing with the spirit and and uh, just couldn't take any more of of my sermon uh, this evening. Um, last time I I was up here, I had some technical difficulties and had uh, uh, several printer pages uh, out of order. And for those of you that have, have been up here to have your, your sermon um, uh, convoluted uh, on the paper really makes things difficult. So I think tonight everything worked. So the other night we were out on the, uh, the turf field at Arundel High School and uh, for field hockey practice. And for those of you that have been out on a, on a turf field, you can take whatever the temperature is outside and add about 10, 15 degrees to it. And it's really warm. And as I was walking along, the ideas of a sermon began to, to be planted. And the more time passed, the, the more it grew. And uh, it was kind of backed up by, by some things I heard on sports talk radio, which I listen to sometimes in the car, uh, back and forth to work, or what seems like lately the countless hours I've been spending uh, driving forth between my Fort Meade office and the various ones that I visit over by Dulles. So uh, as you can imagine, you know, on a good day, it's about an hour in the car. And then if you throw in any accidents or, or rain or anything like that, it, it certainly adds more time. It gives me more time to think. And so the, the lesson this evening, as you may have seen in your, in your bulletin, is practice makes perfect. And as we talk about practice making perfect tonight, I want to think about two different interpretations or two different connotations of the word practice. Now, practice is not a means in and of itself. It's intended to make us perfect and how do we know that we're supposed to be perfect? If you look in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 47, we're told that if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Christ tells us to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. Boy, Christ doesn't set the bar low, does he? So you and I both know that we, in and of ourselves, being human, can't be perfect as God is perfect. And there's been only one person who's ever walked the earth who's been tempted and yet has known no sin. There's only been one person who is righteous for his own sake. And we know this because we're told in Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, that the righteousness given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there's no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we know we're not perfect. But yet Jesus says, be perfect as God is perfect. So if we can't be perfect by ourselves, and Jesus has given us a command, clearly there has to be a way. And the way for us to become perfect is through Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, 
In verse 14, the writer tells us, For by one sacrifice he, being Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And that one sacrifice, of course, is Jesus. In order to become perfect, we have to practice. So the first connotation of, of practice I want us to think about is in terms of actions being taken to become familiar with something or learn how to do it. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. And in Isaiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, Isaiah writes, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. So we begin to learn how to do something. So now about this time, and I'm sorry Carl's not in the back to pick up with me on this one. The Baltimore Ravens are now in their training camp, and they're probably doing two workouts a day. You know, they're learning new football skills, picking up the playbook, different ways for their profession. So, should, too, should we be learning to do what's right in the eyes of God. Nobody comes in off the street, puts on pads and a helmet, and gets thrown out onto the field. Similarly, nobody steps up to a piano and plays Mozart perfectly. Nobody jumps into a, a pool and beats Michael Phelps in the 400-meter butterfly. It all requires practice. It all requires years and years of learning how to do the skills. And in team sports, it requires being together and united with your team to learn the strengths and weaknesses of one another. To focus on how you can together accomplish your goals. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the church was divided over leaders. And Paul wrote to them, beginning in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. The body of Christ, that is the church, should be a place where we all want one another to succeed. And we all love one another, as we're commanded in Matthew chapter 22, love your neighbor as yourself. The church, the body, is our practice field. where we learn how to develop, learn how to pray, learn how to study the Bible, we learn how to minister to one another, and do so in an environment based on love. Just as when the Ravens are out there on the practice field, they're not going full tilt, tackling one another, trying to take each other's heads off, as they might do when they're playing, say, the New England Patriots, for example. On the practice field, you forgive one another's mistakes, and you learn from them. In the environment of love here, we're talking about agape love, which is an action intended to help each other grow, to look out for each other's best interests. 
Now I could practice piano day and night, and I can tell you, I'm not going to get any better. And why is that? I can't read music. Nobody's taught me to read music. So without an instructor or a manual or some way to help me learn, practice in and of itself is not going to work. We need instruction. As Christians, we have both the Bible to give us the foundation, and we have brothers and sisters to help us with trials that come our way. And we're told in the Bible to lean on one another, to mourn when other mo others mourn, rejoice when others rejoice, and to share the things that we've learned through our lives. Now, if Mitch tells me, John, if you put your hand into the fireplace when it's burning, it's going to hurt, and it's going to burn you. And Lord willing, I'm going to listen to Mitch and learn from that. Now, I'm going to throw out the disclaimer for hard-headedness that I may put my hand in there anyway just to prove and go, yeah, that really did burn and hurt. And I know that there are lots of us out there that have to make our own mistakes along the way. But I don't think it's going to stop Mitch from telling me. I've seen this before, and here's what typically happens. And that's our, that's our charter. That's our directive from the Lord, to share these things with one another. And to help us to grow. The practice that we have here in the safe environment of the church is intended to strengthen us because when we walk out those doors, when we leave the body of the church, we encounter trials and tribulations that we haven't seen here, that we won't see inside of our, the body. And if we haven't practiced and learned and strengthened our faith, it won't stand up against those trials. Now, I've been helping Kate coach field hockey for a few years and coaching lacrosse as well. And my philosophy is to try to expose the players to as many situations as possible that they might see in the game. That way, when they're playing in a game and see an opponent that's trying to win, cause them to lose, they might have an idea of what they're going to do and know how to handle the situation. Now, they may fail in execution, but at least they've practiced what to do. And the same thing is true in the church. We go through Bible studies, we listen to sermons, and we pray. And we practice these things to prepare us for the world that's outside. Are we going to fall in our execution and sin? Absolutely. But what do we do with that? We get up and continue on. The second connotation of the word practice I'd like to talk about tonight is putting into action those things that we've learned. And if we spend our time learning what God's will is for us, understand what we have to do to be perfect in God's sight, what good is it to have that knowledge and not do anything with it? In Matthew chapter 7, Christ tells his disciples, beginning in verse 24, 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Rain came down, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. If we don't put God's words into practice, put them into action, we have no foundation. We're adrift in the world with nothing to anchor us. And there's a chapter in Ephesians that highlights several of the things in terms of putting this into practice. And it's a little bit long, so I I pray you'll bear with me. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, beginning in verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So that's step one of putting into practice. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Make every effort to keep that unity. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended, who, who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that is the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, again, heading towards perfect perfection, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. The closer we come to perfection, the more calm we are, the more peace we are, while the world blows around us. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And now we get to what we're to not practice. Therefore, each of you must put off falseness and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you, you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, bawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Boy, in that one verse, it's a lot of power. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How often do we want to hold on to the petty slights and offenses that we give to each other? How often do we want to bicker and argue over picking up each other's laundry in the hallway? when God forgave you. Seems kind of small. Paul tells the Ephesians here that's the kind of life we should put into practice. Align ourselves with the actions that God would have us take and stay away from what the world believes. And he strengthens that again in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And skipping down to verse 22. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. The lesson tonight is practice. Practice what you've learned loving. Practice inside the body in here. Expand that practice to those outside the body believers. And put into practice all that you've learned as a Christian. All that you've worked on. And stand firm on the foundation of Christ Jesus and his teachings. And you'll know that you stand on the rock. The lesson this evening is yours. If you have a need... Please come forward as we stand and sing.